Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me tonight are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. I really like the best. <laughs> Damn it. Now I'm going to have that stuck in my head for like the next week. That was my aim. I did that to you the must. entire audience just now. <laughs> they all have to live with it. Uh, but see, my loafers made from gophers. <laughs> God yeah, damn you, Mike. God said, yeah. damn you. The 90s were fun, weren't they? This whole show's ruined. I don't want a podcast anymore. That gorilla died uh, for that joke. That's Well, it was worth it. It was a good they, joke. <laughs> Mr. Burns took his chest. <laughs> his entire chest. I mean, a real greyhound for a tuxedo would be best. But, you know, the gorilla chest is pretty good, too. All right. We, we do have a time limit, thanks to Google Hangouts. Uh, join me. Also, our other host, Jamie. That was a sentence. I had to struggle, but I got there. Jamie, <laughs> say hello. You know, I've also had an older Russian man go toilet on my hands, but uh, that was more for his benefit than mine. You paid for it, too. So that was weird. I don't know how I got talked into that. God, it's go toilet actually sounds like a euphemism for something less awful than being pooped on. I like to think David Harbour improv that scene. <laughs> the whole I really scene. like to think I think he did. Every one of his scenes, they just made he didn't have a script or they gave him one. He threw it out. Is it such specific wording, and it's so perfect with his delivery? It just feels like improv, but maybe he's just that good. He's that pretty funny. His tattoos. He's a pretty comedic actor. Uh, folks, if you haven't guessed it, today mm. we're talking about Marvel's Black Widow. I know, shocker. Remember when Marvel movies existed? They do again. Now, technically, we're time traveling to early 2020 with this. A simpler time. I mean, we, we had a stretch where Marvel was definitely around and people were talking about it, but it's all that Disney Plus, which is weird actually having to leave my house to, to go see Marvel content. Jamie, you actually watched this one from uh, your home, right? Yeah. Uh, t- scheduling didn't work out, so we just ended up uh, watching it through Disney Plus, which I, I thought would be a much bigger departure from the norm whenever it was put up as an option a few months back. But at this point, uh, like you were saying, we've gotten so used to, like with the Disney Plus shows, uh, experiencing Marvel shit in the comfort of our own homes. Uh, this just seemed like a natural uh, escalation of that. So how does it feel to be a traitor to cinema? <laughs> Let me arrest you on You the took spot. the bread out of David Fincher's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad other people can do movies at home, especially with the pandemic going on. It makes sense if you're worried about going out, if you're in a high-risk area. For sure, you still want to see the movies is a good option. Me, personally, I, I need to see a movie in theaters to get the most enjoyment out of it. Or otherwise, I, I just know myself, like, I'm going to check my phone, I'm going to get, like, involved in a text conversation, and I'm going to miss out on something. I, I, I'm going to, like, go to my fridge and grab food, or I'm going to, like, make a Hot Pocket, and I'm going to totally miss out on an action scene or something. I, I'm the kind of person who does not have the proper attention when I'm not sitting in a theater to really engage with the movie the way I need to. So I I have to be back in the theater to get the most bang for my buck. If it helps, we did pop a bag of popcorn solely for the smell and then didn't eat it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a huge popcorn person, but I appreciate, yeah, the smell. 
that's a good way to go about it. They got to make like popcorn air fresheners that you can just put around your place. Not, not so the not, same. So, so not only did you personally insult Christopher Nolan, <laughs> you also made food that went to waste while people are starving all over the world in the middle of a medical pandemic. All of that nourishing, nourishing popcorn just <laughs> languishing in my garbage can right now. There are literally dozens of calories in that bag, Jamie. That could have kept an old man on an IV alive for 15 more minutes. <laughs> you monster. Why am I picturing the old homeless guy from Groundhog Day? <laughs> the one eating soup? Just couldn't save him. <laughs> Tried so hard. He wasn't God. But, but yeah, that's, that's been a weird uh, side effect of the pandemic and everything being stretched out for as long as it has. Black Widow was originally meant to be the big coming home uh, for the Marvel stuff after the long uh, period of of relative peace after Thanos was defeated. With I think it just uh, I think WandaVision was supposed to be the only thing we were going to get before Black Widow, correct? No, Black Widow was last year and uh, early last year. It was only like two months out from from release when the pandemic started. It was yeah, it was pretty close. They didn't announce any release dates for the uh, Marvel shows at that point. Yeah. Oh, God. That that entire period has just become a black miasma in my mind. (laughs) Sounds right. Which is is a shame, because I think box office-wise, you get a huge bump coming out right after an Avengers film. You think people would be sick of your movies at that point, but I think at that point, they kind of want that epilogue. Yeah. Like, the last few times it happened, it was was big business. Uh, Iron Man 3... Right? Am I thinking my order right? Iron Man 3 came out after one of the Avengers and did huge bucks. Yeah, that was the big return. Uh, we had Spider-Man 2, I think it was in the same position. That one also did pretty good money. I think that's that's where you gotta be. Like, right after an Avengers film, it's it's kind of paradoxical. People are just more in the mood for it after the big event. You think they'd want to go home? But no, nah, they, they want to stick around for the after party. Black Widow, unfortunately, gets bumped out several times. It's a movie that feels like it should have come out before uh, Endgame. And we also have a lot of people that are, are starting to stay back inside just because the pandemic's not over yet and people aren't getting vaccinated. So you, you get a really lumpy the opening two weeks at the box office. I mean, week one was, boy, something like, what, $60, 80000000 million? I think it was Big. like $60 million, $60 million through uh, Disney Plus and $80 million in theater. Whereas the second week, it, it was a huge drop. It made something like $30 million week two. I want to say like a 62% drop-off or something like that? Something large, yeah. So you have people all over the place that are just, oh, see, people didn't want a black woman movie, which is, I think, ridiculous. If they just timed it differently, the opening weekend shows there was definitely interest. I just feel like weekend two and people realizing, like, I don't have to leave my house for this. I can just wait for this to be free on Disney Plus eventually. Yeah, it doesn't help that Space Jam came out this week, too. Also, yeah, Space big, Jam. Big kids movie. Yeah. Uh, Space Jam. I, I'm, I'm old and crotchety, so I feel like I'm, I should prevent myself from having opinions on there being more Space Jams. It exists. So I'm, just, I'm just not going to say anything about it. it. It doesn't make sense for an old man to be upset that there's more <laughs> Space Jam. Whatever. Kids are happy. I'll shut up. Black I, don't, Widow I don't have to go is, see it. Uh, it's fine. Black Widow apparently is also uh, very high on the piracy meter at the moment. Which probably isn't helping a lot of um, return screenings it usually gets. I'm, I'm curious also, I really doubt anybody who saw it in a theater then goes and gets it on Disney Plus afterwards. No. Probably not. I, I would assume no. Uh, if they're already going out to the theaters, why would they watch it at home? 
don't know. Also, I think it probably hurts because this is a character we all know dies at the, you know, the midway point of Avengers Endgame. I think it's tough for theater goers to say, yeah, I want to go see a movie about that dead character. Like, it shouldn't really matter. You're still enjoying the adventure and all of that. But I think it does stick in the back of their brains. And it had this movie maybe come out between Avenger films, probably would have done bigger box office. In my mind, I think it would have been a bigger hit overall if you got more of a connection with Black Widow and then you killed her character off. Heck, that might have I, actually improved the box office somehow for Endgame, too. Well, I, I would say it would have... Well, it's, it's kind of paradoxical. Um, I think Black Widow, the design of the film, because it is designed to come out post her death in Endgame, actually works better post-death. I think that that sacrifice and, and seeing her story wrap up adds something to where she ends up in Black Widow and her character journey. They clearly designed it that way. But if it had come out before Endgame, it would have added a lot more to her death in Endgame. So it's, like I said, it's, a, it's very paradoxical in that way. I, I think, I don't think it would have helped the, I think the box office probably would have been not counting the pandemic. I'm not sure if it would have been better or the same. It probably would have been a little bit... You definitely couldn't release a movie between Infinity War and Endgame um, because of Infinity War's ending. Well, I you only they... had, like... I mean, not necessarily redesigning the movie so it would have fit in that chronology. I'm just saying, like, you had a year gap between those films. So if you're going to throw out a Black Widow movie, I think before she died probably would have helped. I think, but I don't think you can release a movie between Infinity War and and Endgame no. based on how Infinity War ended. I think it would just been yeah. too strange. I mean, in a perfect world, I would have put this movie actually in its timeline. Like, after Civil War, then you get Black Widow the movie. Like, you just have that continuation cool. to fill in the gaps. I, 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 I do I, find it very satisfying that we retroactively did get payoff to the gigantic setup for a Black Widow movie that Civil War ends <laughs> on. It's like, okay, we band-aided this one six years later. Speaking of band-aids, the ending... Uh, post-credit scene really cracks me up where they're in front of Black Widow's grave because all the fans were complaining, you know, oh, we don't see her grave, we see Iron Man's funeral. <laughs> it felt like Marvel was out there like, okay, we can we can fix this one, it's all right. And then it, Retroactively, it's... no one can ever complain about this now. <laughs> it also just fits the character better. I also like how it lined up with the uh, dialogue of where um, uh, Beowulf said his, her mother was buried. Yes, that's yes. why I'm calling him Beowulf because that's who he is to me forever and ever. He's Beowulf, and he's that double agent that lied about being a triple. Jonesy! <laughs> also, uh, with this end credit scene, they were able to switch things up and actually tie directly into the Disney Plus MCU. Are we still calling the MCU if it's on television? TV can be cinematic. Marvel theatrical universe? The MTU? Uh, which I don't think we could have gotten if the... Well, I mean, this was originally coming out right before... The Winter Soldier series, right? Yeah. yeah. So it probably wouldn't have, I don't know, they probably could have gone with that approach, but it wouldn't have made as much sense. Val's intro, it, Val's scene in in um, Falcon the Winter Soldier actually works better as a mysterious introduction than the after credit scene in Black Widow. So it's funny it really how they does. almost lucked into that. My audience reacted to Val, which was cool. Well, this is interesting because, I mean, think of when uh, they first started making Marvel TV shows and we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they were desperate to not really connect those two universes. 
Like Whedon going out of his way to say, like, oh, in my mind, Coulson is totally dead. I don't care what the TV show says. And he was <laughs> the guy who like, writing that. Part... Yeah, besides like me making Despite the show. me writing that Still and dead. directing it and giving the show to my brother. Yeah. Dead. Whereas now Disney's actually going out of the way to be like, oh man, this is even bigger. It's not just one or two movies a year. There's gonna be like three TV shows out every year that you gotta kind of watch to get the entire MCU experience. It's it's bold and it's very large filmmaking. You just kind of accept at this point because Marvel has been such a big player in theater for 10 years running. You just kind of accept they can do whatever they want. But boy, that's the thing they were trying to get done for the Dark Tower series for years. And they thought that was too ambitious. So they killed it. Does anyone else remember that? They were originally going to do like uh, a trilogy yeah. oh, of Dark yeah, Tower Ron movies. Howard. Yeah, with a running TV show in between movies uh, to, to connect everything. Like you get a miniseries on TV, which is a shame because that'd be such a cool way to do this Dark Tower. Ah, just about the only way you can. I think, yeah, that way you get everything. You can get the scope in the movies where you've got the big budget, and then you can have all the story beats and the drawn-out flashbacks and all that kind of fun stuff, the weird mythology really delved on in the TV shows. Well, I think Which hopefully I... they do for Marvel. I, I think that's actually a great way for them to conduct business for their movies. You know, save, save some of the big spectacle for uh, the theater, and then you can kind of do some weird offshoot fun stuff, like all this, the cool stuff they're doing Loki on tv oh yeah loki just spent six episodes casually introducing the marvel audience to the gigantic multiverse plot line that's going to rule the next few years of stories <laughs> and set up the villain while they were at it none of that who's thanos five years later shit going on now <laughs> i wonder how confused people are going to be when they walk into the next marvel film and they have to actually go over Kang again like are, are they gonna do a flashback of Loki are they gonna be like fuck it man you should have watched the TV shows go get Disney plus man I think per Infinity War and Endgame it's clear Marvel's thing is it's really on you <laughs> even Black Widow I mean Black Widow as much of as I appreciate how much it's not really delving into the MCU it's it is a very standalone Black Widow movie you can mostly just watch it but even that's still like hey remember Civil War well if you don't, yeah. go watch Civil War. Get over it. <laughs> well, that's it. There, there's some like, you know, minor dialogue referring back to Civil War. You, you get the gist of it without having to actually have seen that movie. Even when there's recurring characters like you know Thunderbolt appearing back in, you don't actually need to know who the fuck that character is. You just know he's the grumpy military guy who's a pain in the ass. Yeah. One thing. Okay, this is a jump to the end of the movie that really frustrated me and his character. So he shows up at the end to theoretically arrest Black Widow. She says her goodbyes to her family. They've they've kind of made up. You know, they they've saved the world. They've destroyed the Red Room. There's a lot going on in that ending. And then you kind of expect them to do like one more action beat, and then they they, they just kind of skip over it. And then it cuts to Black Widow like saying goodbye to her helicopter buddy. I was I was I was so confused. I felt like they had just cut a scene out of the movie when I was in the theater and that happened. I appreciate. Uh, the director's thought of no one wants another another fight, which I 100% agree with. Um, I think it was a bit of a miscalculation to just go like, well, we just assume that she probably just talked her way out of the situation or something. I mean, unless it's something that's going to come back up in some way later down the road, which is entirely possible. So there is supposed to be a bit of a mysterious question mark there, which is kind of a Black Widow thing. Um, I do think it was a bit of a miscalculation because it is just from... I, I can very easily assume, like, it's Black Widow. She she got out of the situation somehow. Um, but it's jarring. Yeah, it doesn't even need to be an action scene. Just have her 
I don't know, talk her way out of the situation, bribe her way out of the situation, do something spy worthy. Uh, sneak out of there. I don't give a shit. Just like it felt very weird that the situation is not resolved. It's actually fine to me if that's the end of the movie, but the fact she gets another scene afterwards really makes it feel like they just jumped right from that scene into another one without bothering to finish it. Movies have too many endings sometimes. I really, I feel like they could have actually just ended the movie there and it'd be fine. Like we did not get need that final beat. I feel like there's still there's some setup in that cut to black that will eventually come back around to with like Yelena or something, or or Ross. They were aliens the whole time. All scrolls. God knows we're totally building the Dark Avengers very clearly. So, especially with the fact that Taskmaster is just a costume and a power set in this universe. I mean, now that we're on Taskmaster, let's just switch to that. Uh, folks at home who don't read the comic books. Taskmaster is a similar power set to what we saw in the movies, but not basically a walking Terminator. Like there, there's actual personality, and Taskmaster is a, a real thinking, not robotic person in in the comics. So I understand how some people be confused or upset about that. I think you have to do what works for the movie, which I'm still not sure this totally works for the movie, but it's an interesting idea, and it's kind of fun to have a Taskmaster who is, like I said before, a Terminator. Like she just looks like she can just destroy everything and walk right through any sort of fight. Yeah, looks awesome. Uh, but b- before we delve into Taskmaster, I just want to say for the record, I adored the movie. I really, really love Black Widow. Because I feel like we've suddenly just launched into, like, really detailed conversations, and the audience doesn't understand what our what our feelings of the film are. <laughs> oh, yes. We... I, I, assume, I assume Cody's the same, too. We really fucking adored it. I thought it was all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're Cody, so we understand. It was fine. I had a good time at the movies. Uh, I would not say I fell head over heels for it. It's not my top-tier Marvel or anything like that. It's enjoyable. I'm definitely uh, I, I, Blu-ray when it comes out. I really, I've been wanting a Black Widow movie for a very, very, very long time. I've been a fan of the character during my entire comic book reading life, so I remember my excitement when Emily Blunt was cast in Iron Man 2, (laughs) before Gulliver's Travels happened. So this, oh yeah, I had a lot of fucking build up for this movie, so it could have very easily disappointed me, and this was the Black Widow movie that I wanted. Like I love how it's how detached it is. I love how it's a Natasha story. I I love the choices made. I love just the director's fingerprints all over it. Like it doesn't. It feels and looks and just functions very differently than other MCU movies. That is so movies. distinct. Yeah. Yeah. It has I, opening credits. It has an opening credit sequence, and I may like that cover better than the original. I gotta say, it's kind of stuck in my head. Last me. I'm not disagreeing. I, 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 like, I, I enjoyed the opening credits. I thought that was interesting because you just don't see that approach, especially for Marvel these days. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of the song, to be honest, but that's just me. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion on that one. That's just personal choice. I just love that over a decade later, we're returning to the well of the Incredible Hulk and giving us a character's origin over the opening <laughs> credits efficiently so we can move the fuck on. I really hope that that's a statement of intent and the Marvel movies are just going to have uh, opening credit sequences from now on. I I hope I miss opening credit sequence some more of that. And Natasha deserved like a Bond opening title sequence. So, Um, but getting back to Taskmaster. With a gun barrel, Marvel immediately gets sued. (laughs) Just have Jason walk out. Um, (laughs) Going back to Taskmaster, I... I'm very mixed on Taskmaster. I like Taskmaster in the movie. Um, 
awesome action sequences. I, I like the kind of Terminator aspect. I really like Taskmaster in the comics. I, I think it's a really, like, I think he's a really cool character. Um, I think he has a lot to offer as a character. Um, gender swapped or, or not. My biggest issue, I think, with Taskmaster is unless they continue on and when they continue on with Taskmaster and because you don't get a name actress without plans of some kind. Um, Slight sidebar. It's hilarious that they actually got a Russian access actress and she's like the <laughs> one who didn't have any lines. <laughs> Everyone else is out there like just trying their best to pretend to be Russian. And it's like, oh boy, Ray. Ray Winstone is certainly trying. I love Ray Winstone's Russian accent. It's like a Pacino accent. It's so good. <laughs> um, he is full tracksuit Dracula. Um <laughs> My problem is if she comes back, and her story probably doesn't really support this, it might be weird, but maybe they'll figure out a way, is have her be more on the villainous side. Have her be a mercenary of some kind. Because if not, you know, if she's not fighting, you know, some sort of inner turmoil on which side she's on, it's just a repeat of Ghost. Well, they're yeah. also not using Ghost at all either. <laughs> well, Ghost hasn't only been one movie so far, so... That's that's what I'm saying. They bring in ghosts, and then I, I don't think they have any plans for ghosts. They, I could be very wrong, but it feels like one of those characters. Ghosts had a lot like, of hey. setup, so I imagine they probably have plans for ghosts. I still think we have ghosts Quantumania hijinks coming. I think uh, Ghost is set up for Thunderbolts. Still, in my opinion. I mean, speaking of Thunderbolts, like with like with the with what they set set up with her, I could easily see them just retrofitting her into a different identity and just using the ready-made task member, a taskmaster identity for like a dark avengers member who's just more who's more comic accurate. That's possible. So they can watch her Antonio. become the new Deathlock. I mean, we haven't actually gotten technically any personality out of the existing Taskmaster. Yeah, so we, have, we know nothing of her. reboot her character in any way. Just bring the actress back and all of a sudden she could be cracking quips. Other than she was just, was glad when Dracoff was killed. Right. I feel like my main issue with the Taskmaster reveal was just for that to have as much of an emotional weight as it needed to I feel like Dracov's daughter needed to be a bigger deal in the film up until that point. For sure. I, I feel like the placement of the reveal is very late to kind of make it seem like more of a shock and a twist when it would make sense to have it earlier and make it known to Natasha earlier. So she has to deal with the emotional burden of going, okay, I tried to kill an innocent girl once. Now she wants to kill me and she's kind of justified, but I also want to live. Like, you have those stakes, then, if it, that information is revealed to her much earlier. I will say, in, in the theater, one person behind me gasped when they revealed that Taskmaster was, was you know, the daughter. And it's like, boy, they were, they were making this one real obvious. I wish, I wish they had just used that bond a little bit earlier in the film and built on that, rather than making it a surprise at the last second. Sure, it takes away from some of the scary Terminator-ness of the character, because she's unknown. But I, I, I think I would take emotional suspense over like oh boy she's a badass and any day yeah i would agree so that that was really my disappointment with the character it's just a, kind of a structural issue if they'd introduced that arc a little bit earlier i can see that One i think i also i, was I think taskmaster funky. works in context of the film for me yes. i just have to kind of ignore man taskmaster is capable of a lot as a character and it feels like it's not going to go to those go to go to those places 
I think for me, uh, the changes to ghosts kind of takes away, or it feels like it would go into similar of a place. But maybe that's maybe not. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a particular affinity to the character as portrayed in the comics or video games or anything like that. So the movie version worked totally fine for me. Um, one thing I thought was a little funky, and, and again, this is just personal. I don't think this is an actual flaw with the movie, is you know they set up that the Taskmaster can fight and copy anyone that she's seen previously because she's you know studied them. She she's got the move set, so she can do all the Avengers stuff. Neat little, you know, they actually included that, so you get some of the flashes from the other MCU characters, like the way she's using the shield, the Black Panther poses, all that kind of fun stuff. I thought what they were doing here was a setup that Red Guardian, having been in prison for 20 years, would be a character she was not familiar with, his fighting style. She never expected to have to fight that dude. So when we get the fight between her and him at the end of the movie, that would be like the one thing. He'd be just like the crazy, you know, Russian guy she's never seen before and doesn't exactly know how to counteract his fighting style. And instead, they just use that for another comedy beat, which I should have expected. Everything they do with Red Guardian is essentially to undersell him and, and make him a comedy character. <laughs> Even when he's having his dramatic, like, I love my daughters and I want to apologize for being a bad dad for years. Even that stuff gets turned into jokes. That whole character is is kind of twisted where no matter what happens, they want you to think, no, this guy's a laughing stock. So I should have, I shouldn't have expected him to have a redeeming fight where he gets to show off that he has some value after all. I, uh, I do expect a little bit more out of the Red Guardian Taskmaster fight. But um, I guess you can't really have Red Guardian do that much because it would just be weird. Unless you actually just had Red Guardian defeat Taskmaster, in which case you couldn't do the reveal or anything like that. <laughs> he kind of sort of does. He locks her in a room. I mean, yeah, you could have gotten to that point, too, where yeah, you know, he takes her out uh, and puts up more of a fight. This one, he kind of gets his butt kicked until eventually someone helps him. Yeah, he gets to do uh, some cool stuff. The editing kind of throws me off, too, because there's such a long gap between when he starts that fight and when they actually cut back to him throwing the first punch. <laughs> there's there's like 10 minutes of other stuff happening, so you just have to chalk it up to movie time. They just danced a lot. Like, yeah, it's like that fight was over in tw 20 seconds and like, you know, 30 minutes of actual like stuff happening <laughs> between here. Um, also, just uh, another thought on Taskmaster. One thing I did really like um, it's very subtle in the film, but utilizing Taskmaster in this Terminator-type way with all the Avengers moves is a nice symbolic way of Natasha having to battle her new family while she's trying to save her old family. I, I really liked... Uh, I've always been a little bit like, why is Taskmaster in here? That is kind of random other than Taskmaster's cool. But like, oh, they're actually using Taskmaster for a storytelling purpose. Like, that move set is being utilized symbolically instead of just, hey, it's cool. On a more shallow note, I thought it was really cool when she crashed her big tank through all the cars in the city case. <laughs> yeah, I love the Taskmaster mobile. It was that was fun. I was like, oh man, ah, it's unstoppable. That was uh, just a thrill. Also, the first fight that they have on the bridge, when you don't know anything about the character at that point or how they're approaching Taskmaster, is a lot of fun. Like just seeing. Black Widow also be confused about this. Like, I shot him a bunch of times. Why isn't he dead? Why a shield? Okay. Yeah, I I think we should just talk about the fights in general in this movie because I love how virtually every physical altercation in this film becomes a drawn out Winter Soldier battle. Yes. Like just these long wrestling matches that you know, use the environment and go places. Like, just this is such a great 
fist fighting movie. Uh, it's, it's nice to have that after all the. Oh yeah, it's, it's so nice to have that over, after so many of the uh, big CGI laden superhero fights yeah. we've had from the MCU. Like going, this this movie felt very back to basics to me, almost in some regards to something like Marvel would have done in Phase One very if they had so. the budget. Yeah. Well, I think that's the complaint you see most online from folks. They'll say Black Widow feels great to return to kind of form until it gets into the typical MCU style action. Uh, and, and most people seem to point their fingers at the uh, Russian prison escape as being the moment where they try and get back into too big of spectacle. I'm not sure I really agree with that because I really yeah. enjoyed the escape scene. With yeah, prison. Basically, cool. any scene with David Harbour, I'm having fun in, so I can forgive it. <laughs> uh, brief aside, uh, yeah, going in, I expected him to get some like redeeming bits and a little bit more drama and they keep drawing the character towards comedy which isn't bad because david harbour is actually a very very talented funny actor so i I can't be too upset that they made the character a joke because the man can play a joke like none other they uh, they also i think were really relying on what harbour's good at which is sincerity so you could have the character do that but you don't lose like the little emotional moments background it's like yeah he's a doofus but <laughs> because of harbor's performance you can see what's like underneath it all yeah well I, I like the idea of his arc like what little he has being absent of any kind of big redemption moment or big showy moment where he gets to be the hero he thinks he is i kind of like how where he ends up by the end is just a dude who doesn't want to make things about himself to the point where he doesn't even want to actually apologize to Natasha because even that, no matter how he phrased it, would be making it all about him, the one thing he was guilty of the most. I I kind of like how he just realizes, "Eh, I'm a fat piece of shit and rolls with it. (laughs) He seems like a pretty good uncle. Terrible father is is what the movie gave to me. As a man who was born to wear a Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) That It'll opening, I think, uh, did a really good job in uh, being able to ground uh, both Red Guardian and Iron Maiden down for when we re-meet them, and he's a doofus, and she's... You don't really know what's going on in her mind, but you've been able to like see a reality from that opening, so you're able to keep that in your mind. Yeah. Small aside here, I think more people need to see uh, David Harbour's Frankenstein's monsters, monster Frankenstein. I keep forgetting you about can, that. You can you can go check that out. It's on Netflix. It's like thirty minutes long. I think it's wonderful. Uh, more people should talk about that. Just just had to cram that in there. I think it's fantastic. Just thirty minutes of David Harbor saying, "If you're an actor, don't act like this." <laughs> so besides Harbor, we actually have a really good cast here. I mean, we've got Rachel Weisz, uh, Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Ray Winston, like a lot of big names in this movie. And uh, as kind of a handoff film to set up Yelena as the new Black Widow, I think it does a pretty good job there. It gets us definitely on her side and does a wonderful job contrasting old Black Widow to new. Yeah. I mean, I'd be I'd be very disappointed if the Yelena character was portrayed as essentially Natasha 2.0. And this one, definitely a different character, different accent we're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I enjoy how she's more crass, a little bit more like, oh, this fucking bullshit. Even that, you know, the running joke about such a poser not enjoying the superhero pose 
that, I that's like the to... added humor of the character. So this is, I am excited to see where they take her if she gets her own spinoffs. That's going to be so interesting when she's eventually playing against Kate Bishop and Miss Marvel and the other characters around her age bracket. Like, I'm very interested what kind of dynamic she's going to bring to a future Avengers team. Yeah. Well, the setup there, yeah, that she is after Hawkeye. That seems fun. Those seem like good personalities to butt up against each other. And I honestly wasn't expecting that angle. I know she was announced as being in the Hawkeye series in some form, but I still didn't expect it to, to go down that route. But I, um, I like that idea. Also, I love how they picked the most Hawkeye photo of Hawkeye <laughs> possible. <laughs> oh, what do you want? My, my problem here with the, the setup is it's one of the setups where if the two characters who are fighting each other spent five minutes having a real conversation, the issue theoretically be resolved. Like, oh, I tried to kill myself. She threw herself off that mountain. Yeah, but oh. when you're when you're also having to discuss, um, so there's a floating space Nazi. Yeah. And we have to trade souls with them to get a rock. You had a deal with a Nazi? I also want to see just how mention... it breaks down. It breaks down very quickly. Well, they also lived in a world where people disappeared for five years and just came back. And she wasn't involved in like any of that action, so all of a sudden people just appeared in her life again. Uh, or she was snapped. I don't know. How does that work out? Have we uh, seen? I like. I don't I like know what the, her timeline plays out as. I like the idea of Clint having to desperately explain space shit to someone with a gun <laughs> pointed to his head. <laughs> One thing that's going to just drive me nuts for a while, Marvel went out of its way to introduce a larger universe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So we know there are different alien civilization, civilizations out there. Lots of them. They have jack shit of a clue what's happening on Earth during the whole snap deal. So half of all of their friends just disappeared, and now they're back five years later, and there's no contact with her to even kind of explain what happened at Thanos. There's, uh, okay, people just disappear now. Cool. That's what Captain Marvel's for. Oh, that's true. That's what Captain Marvel was doing. That makes her sound like a space Mormon, like she's going around just spreading the word house to house. I mean, that's not inaccurate. (laughs) You don't know what the plot of the Marvels is going to be. No action. It's literally just them like, hey, can we explain to you why your friends are gone? And then they came back and they're not going to disappear again, maybe? And Rocket and Nebula, too. I mean, I I think Endgame kind of covered this with what was left of the Avengers pretty much operating in on both Earth and in space. I refuse to believe that Nebula or Rocket bothered to explain anything to anyone. I feel like they those pro- characters went out and they're like, they're I dead. I imagine Natasha gave them flyers to put up somewhere. <laughs> Now, Rocket Rocket. just told everyone he did it. Several religions started in his name. (laughs) A very bender of them. The most terrifying part. I think this started as a conversation about how good the cast was. I'm going to go back (laughs) to that. It's a very good cast. Like, uh, Florence Pugh really fucking... I don't want to say steals the movie, because I think the movie actually does a good job, despite her performance, keeping the focus on Natasha. But, goddamn, is that a scene-stealing performance? Oh, yeah, this would be a star-making role if she hadn't already had so much hype on her whenever she was cast. Yeah. <laughs> For all those other big movies before this. And any, I despise Elena in the comics, so. Yeah. yeah, anytime Harbor's doing something or Florence is doing something, I'm definitely into it. I, I'm hoping somehow that they can find, like, a Disney Plus spinoff of the further adventures of David Harbour and Rachel Weisz in this universe. They, I'm sure... I'd watch it. I'm very curious to see what happens to David Harbour now that he's a free man walking around with Karl Marx tattooed on his fists. 
<laughs> trying to reintegrate into society after like 20 years of being in the gulag. Oh, there's no way he's not going to fight U.S. agent at some point. Oh, man. Well, That'd be what, fun. what I love is at no point do we ever get a payoff to the joke of him remembering fighting Captain America in the 80s. So I feel like we could totally actually, in one of these projects, see a flashback to him fighting one of the bullshit commie bashing <laughs> oh, Captain America. That has from the to comics. be it, right? I know it's like, oh, it's a joke. He's just making it up. But I, we know Marvel at this point. They are totally going to reveal there was a crazy '50s Cap in the '80s, and they're gonna we're gonna get a flashback to '80s David Harbor as comic book Red Guardian. With his so bad. And his the theme sh- song he has. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd, I'd definitely be there for that series. But going back to Yelena for a second, uh, just building off what you were saying about like how well-balanced the cast is, I'm amazed that this is, in the strictest technical sense, a, pas- a passing of the torch movie for a new actress to be Black Widow, yet it at no point ever feels like that. Yeah. Like, if this were the setup for four more Black Widow movies with Scarlett Johansson, with Yelena as just a supporting character, that would work as well. I, I like how at no point does it ever feel like you're being sold a bill of goods. It, it makes it so Yelena is even less of a carbon copy, which is great because that's what she is in the comics. <sighs> so what of this but blonde? I hate I'm Yelena in the comics, more, and I love her in the movie, in- so it says a lot. I'm excited for more of her in the show because I want to see what kind of best she comes up with next. <laughs> I hope best continue to be her things. I'm hoping denim best. I'm hoping actually the next time we revisit everyone else from the film, uh, there there's a vest on Natasha Romanoff's grave. I'm hoping that Rachel Weiss has a vest custom made for her. We have a, a very red commie vest for the Red Guardian. I want the entire family to be vested. I look forward to the day Yelena and Deadpool eventually interact in one of these movies and they bond over pouches. <laughs> God. It's what such a, a nice joke that would be. I'm going to be disappointed we never guessed that fucking now. joke. And you know someone's thought of it. Can that be the next trailer react with Deadpool? Just turn him and Yelena. Like, do you think Liefeld would be like in a corner somewhere consumed with rage that they made fun of Pockets or very excited that they mentioned him? It's hard to tell. It depends on uh, where the lunar cycle is in that particular moment with life hell these days. And if he gets a check. As long as they don't mention anything about feet or drawing skills, I think it's okay. Bricks on the wall. (laughs) Going back to the cast, well, I I would have much rather seen a lot more of Drakov in the final film, especially like in the second act. Uh, Leave it to Ray Winstone to bring it for the third act <laughs> that's a character who's pretty much only in the film in the finale but still manages to be memorable, Very a, lot memorable. memorable a lot more memorable than a lot of marvel villains who have been around the entire runtime i mean I'm, I'm pretty soft i think he had a good impression for the little they gave him but i also feel like three movies from now i would have a very tough time remembering his character's name i don't think you really I mean, need to remember if... Drakoff beyond like this movie outside of the references to him previously but yeah, just him for his function. He's really quite memorable, at least for me. Like, I really liked how he's able to like chew the scenery. Just the fact he's able to. We've seen all Natasha's cape below. The fact before we learn that she can't touch him in a very RoboCop kind of way, that Drakoff is just able to be menacing and control the room 
just through speech and action. That's the power of the windstone right there. That's oh, yeah. Beowulf. It reminds me a little bit of your basic James Bond model, where the henchman is the one who's very interesting, gets all the fun action. Yeah. And then you just have to find like a good actor to be the main bad guy, because pretty much all they're going to be doing is speeches. Yeah, well, I like how after seeing so many villains in these movies be like various shades of coded abusive father figure i like how there's absolutely no metaphor with drake yeah. it's just no i'm a piece of shit who hates women and abducts children and abuses them for real just like yeah, lots and it's... lots and lots of people in the real in the real world do like, yeah. i love how there's other than his location and his star base there's nothing super villain about Drykov. Which is perfect yeah. for, as the villain for a Black Widow movie. Yeah, in a very Black Widow way, it's a very, like, no harsh reality light shine on this, uh, shining through with this character. That's, that's where it is very brilliant, the Taskmaster is his daughter. Yeah, I thought there's a bit of dialogue that's, like, super on the nose, where he's like, the one resource the world has too much of, girls. Like, that, that felt very... Uh, Blunt as fuck to me. Like, it, it, definitely, we understand the point, but it's like, man, come on. <laughs> I like how there's absolutely no subtlety there. Because, again, it is kind of addressing, like, a, a very, very real problem in our world. Uh, we, and the people who perpetrate crimes like that do generally tend to be that cartoonishly flippant about it. Yeah. It's so I, I thought that that was appropriate. Like, that's where the brilliance of that opening was it's it's sex traffic um imagery and that's the main what it point is of the movie it's sex I got, trafficking but with you know assassins the main the main point of the movie that i got is really people need to buy into two-factor authentication if he just set that up so after he did like the little ring thing his phone had gone off and like hey we saw someone's trying to log into your sex trafficking account is this you and you have to be like <laughs> yes it was it would have solved him so many problems like when he's running away he's like oh no i gotta go back and they're like it's too late I'm Thanks. certain Bitcoin offers that service. Thanks, Bank of America. Because let's face it, they're <laughs> I, behind it. I do love how we're at the point where we've had multiple villains who've had sinister rings. Who is who is actually... Okay, what? If these are like nesting dolls, who is the actual big bag? Because it turns out Hydra was basically running S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time. But it also turns out Drakov was running things from his Sky Palace for a long time. Who, who was actually like the bad guy controlling the other bad guys? Who were they just like shaking hands the whole time? Was one different organizations? Who's the puppet master? It, it's like the it's like the comic book Marvel universe where it's a delicate net of multiple overlapping all powerful organizations that work around each other, and none of them talk to AIM because <laughs> the way they dress. Oh, our uh, scientist I, is supreme, though. We're just getting to the point where Marvel is doing a good job illustrating that you should just never trust authority. <laughs> so what's, um, now that there is a power vacuum, though, with Drakoff and the Red Room officially destroyed, so what's what, what's the guessing game for for the Iron Maiden turning out to uh, still be doing some, some questionable shit and actually going full villain at some point? I could easily see that. I honestly expected just full villain Weiss in the movie, like, going in. So her having kind of a half-face turn was shocking in and of itself to me. So yeah, I could totally see. I mean, you have race Rachel Weiss as evil, mad scientist Black Widow. There's so much to use with that. I'm just curious how much of the next phase of the MCU is going to be all about the multiverse. 
and just dealing with that. I mean, obviously they can't make every movie just a big multiverse thing, but it also feels like they're aiming for that a little. I mean, it's definitely got to be the bulk of Loki season two. Uh, Doctor Strange two is going to be all about that. The new Spider-Man seems like it could be from just the fact that, you know, all the rumors suggest that there's going to be multiple villains from different Spider-Man franchises appearing. The next Ant-Man movie is a gigantic time travel caper with Kang showing up. Right. So I, I, I've noticed, just judging by what we've seen so far, Faye, Phase 4 sounds like it's going to be very preoccupied with power vacuums. Both yeah. from, from, from both sides, both with the, the fallout of the Avengers breaking up once and for all. Plus, you know, the, the power vacuum we have from Kang no longer keeping the timeline straight. The power vacuum from, you know, the Black Widows not keeping global politics from chaos. The, the power vacuum that will probably occur whenever Shang-Chi takes down the Mandarin soon. I, I could feel like, I feel like the theme of the next generation having to clean up the mess of the past after everyone up and left uh, with, with no tools of how to control things. Like, I feel like that's going to be the big, uh, the big theme going forward with Marvel. Seems like it. Even the power broker is about literally power vacuums. It's kind of in the name almost. <laughs> Got Armor Wars coming up. That's probably going to be very similar. I think the collector is maybe dead. So there's a big vacuum in space for who's taking all the cool shit. Guardians are going to have to find some new dealers, some new wacky. That character actor dealers thanos killed the nova Corps, so pretty much all of the power structures of the marvel universe have been picked off one by one since phase two and and, and again like especially even just with them with the real world shit in falcon and winter soldier like this era of marvel is very preoccupied with the people who get left behind by history yeah and i think that is very fertile ground for these kind of stories going forward I don't care about him, but I just want more vision. Look, we all want more vision, especially now that he's white. Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so we hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Oh. oh, boy. Jamie hates cinema and diversity. Wow. And popcorn. And popcorn. I'm learning a lot about you tonight. I don't that, this is like all, it. This is all the setup for a bop phase four where I'm the big arc villain. We should have known. You have to bring back MB to take down Jamie once and for all. <laughs> I like the idea of MB showing back up on the show and he's confused why he's here. Like, uh, hi, I guess. Why, why is MB dressed like Native American Captain America from 1602? <laughs> oh, nope, we've gone too far. No, MB, cut the show. Jamie is... Jamie is the villain of Black Panther 2. Oh boy, I'm Namor. <laughs> You would be Namor. I no, like how Mike I, says I, I that in the oh, you voice. <laughs> no, I I would I would be far less of a centrist, Mike. Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> Namor being too good to get involved with politics. Not I'm on just, my Twitter feed. I'm just thinking of man. Both sides are the same. <laughs> Imagine if this is the Aquaman we had received. <laughs> I only held the vaccine. That's enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, I mean, I wish we could cut right after that, but I, I feel like we have to give some final thoughts on the show. 
We do. We do. Uh, so what do we have left to cover? We've we've kind of touched on some of the action. We've touched on the the actors, the the placement in the MCU. I don't really have too much more to say. So we probably are in a good spot to wrap this up. Jamie, it's freshest in your mind. You just watched it today. I would say my two uh, biggest takeaways now that it's uh, settled in my mind are definitely first and foremost, good Lord, it is amazing seeing Scarlett Johansson kick ass and by far the most comic accurate Black Widow costume yet. Oh, I love With that her costume. golden gauntlets and belt. <laughs> Finally. Did get to make a lot of use of that, uh, that spider bite paralysis thingy. It was nice. We got a little bit of that in Civil War, but this one they're like, oh man, you're going to take down like 20 people, just wrist rockets. It's they always nice gadgets. when they... It's always nice when they remember that Black Widow has a thing that she uses. <laughs> this was like a best hits of all the Black Widow things she's used. It's great. If only we got her walking down a hallway towards the camera slowly. Oh, man. I'll, I'll save that for Yelena. Uh, I guess takeaway was... I, I'm so happy that after all the hemming and hawing all over this movie, all the false starts, all of the acts of God that have delayed it. What we're ultimately left with is a Black Widow movie that exists to be a Black Widow movie before anything else. Like In the same way, a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy is a love letter to uh, Marvel's cosmic stuff or uh, Watts' Homecom- Watts's Homecoming movies are love letters to uh, the su- super uh, to the superhero side of the Spider-Man mythos. This is such an appreciation of Black Widow, both like the comic book character and just the character in pop culture that as that a lot of people have grown attached to over the past decade, but has never quite gotten the spotlight that she deserved. And I, I'm so glad that this isn't a building block to another series of movies. This isn't awkward IP management. This is a goddamn motherfucking Black Widow movie. That's not Mike clapping. That's him making popcorn to eat. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm doing? Oh, no. Oh, I agree. Fuck Ike Perlmutter. <laughs> we really should have started with that. We ended. win, finally. Yeah. Isn't it annoying that we should have had this, honestly, during, like, the Civil War phase or earlier? Black Widow was introduced in Iron Man 2. It's it's insane that it's been oh, this, this long should be before our the third or fourth movie. Black Widow movie. This should be the end of a Black Widow franchise. It's we could have going gotten to a... be forever, like, just this question mark in, in, in MCU history of, like, what if they were able to actually give this character a complete film series. It's great that they, you know, it. she got this epic, you know, length uh very long at least and it's have one like a you know hour change doctor strange movie or something uh epic length black widow as fuck black widow movie but man if 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 they were able to really build out that character like they originally wanted to and they proved with this movie she has a universe that stands on its own two feet God, could you imagine us getting Black Widow movies back when Scarlett Johansson was actually a number one box office draw? Yeah. Like, it's weird. We're getting this at the point where she's transitioning back into indie movies. This is the, the swan song of uh, the Scarlet we knew and loved. This will actually be the first 4K release from the Criterion Collection. 
Ah, I'd be down. It is Still interesting fits. though with with their with there not being a series of Black Widow movies and her having been the supporting character. I'm not actually more important than a supporting character, arguably through Captain America movies and Avengers films popping up here and there and kind of becoming through sheer force of just awesome. And the actress, uh, this pop culture icon without a solo film, there is an emotional quality to this movie that it wouldn't have if she were a part of a solo franchise this entire time that this crescendo of her character kind of going back and be able to tell this very important story that led her to this place in Endgame. And it actually kind of works as an emotional release to the audience who was t- who were taken very, very off uh, off guard by her death in Endgame. It's, I think it resonates and carries an interesting arc for the character itself within the movie that she just wouldn't have otherwise. Like, you've been able to watch her, and now you get to go into her world and, and see this very long, sordid, fucked-up history. See just how dark things could get. It carries a lot more weight, I think, than if she just had this, like, this cool spy series. All I know is you can't have your own Iron Man 2 if you just star in somebody else's. So she got to avoid the embarrassment of having a, a <laughs> crummy sequel movie. It's true. No, no, no Black Widow, the Dark World. It's exactly this. This was a clever plan all along by Scarlett Johansson to just avoid having a sophomore slump film. And she got out of there before um, her and Ryan Reynolds had to awkwardly share the screen together as exes. (laughs) (laughs) You think that's what happened? Like we traded a member of that like former partnership like that was our soul stone trade. That's exactly how the Disney merger happened. Yeah, that's why they're. That's why Marvel's terrified to uh, hire uh, Kaczynski and and Blunt as as Reed and Sue. It's like, ah, oh, goddamn! As soon as they celebrity get divorced, it's all downhill. Have <laughs> to age up Franklin Valeria. Multiverse baby, we can make any changes we want anytime. Actually, I think we should just throw that out at the beginning of our show so we can end however we want and just edit parts in the middle however we want. And people are like, it's lumpy. We'll just go back to me shouting multiverse, baby. <laughs> I'm doing it DC style. And when we want to end a show like this one, you just slam that clip in there. and Everyone's like, oh, multiverse, fuck up. It's the end. Somewhere Which Jonathan is Majors is, is editing this podcast. It is actually the end right now. I think uh, we'll get our thoughts out on Black Widow. More MCU to come, because the MCU will never die. If uh, you've enjoyed this podcast, there is much more Box Office Pulp, including commentary tracks uh, located on boxofficepulp.com. You can find us on Twitter, Stitcher, iTunes, you name it, we're there. Box Office Pulp, a podcast. I'm trying that one out. Do you think it has gravitas? I, I like it. It's it's very straight to the point. tells everyone that they uh, need to know. I think it's honest. We are a podcast. It I'm not is... promising we're a good podcast, just saying that we are one. Box I just feel pulp. like you should audio. Yeah. Just... Oh, that's good too. I just feel like that audio should be playing over like stock images of jewels. <laughs> he went to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that was the... because it's absolutely zero energy, which is how all episodes of every show should end. Just <laughs> goodbye. Good. Worked out. And like that, he's gone. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 
put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show. <laughs>